Hello, this is Rabbi Rob Doberson, and welcome to this edition of Wrestling and Dreaming. This is the second of three episodes of the podcast addressing rituals of the High Holy Days. Last week, I spoke about Tashlich, the ceremony done on Rosh Hashanah. Next week, I'll talk about the Yizkor service that we say on Yom Kippur. And this week, I want to address the most significant Rosh Hashanah ritual, hearing the sound of the shofar. And what I wanted to do last week with Tashlich and what I'm going to do this week and next week is present perhaps a slightly different way of looking at the ritual, of understanding the ritual, in order to perhaps give you another way to find kavanah, to find real meaning in the ritual. And I'd like to do that today again with hearing the sound of the shofar. And in order to do that, I want to introduce the subject with a story from my own experience, an issue other than Jewish tradition. When I was in college, we had to take distribution requirements. We had to take classes in each of the schools of the university. And one of those schools was the School of Creative Arts. As a humanities major with a few classes in social sciences and psychology, the idea of taking classes in the creative arts section scared me. And it scared a lot of my friends who are also humanities or science majors. So we sat together and we said, what class are we going to take? And we got some advice from an upper class student who said, you have to take introduction to art history. Why? Because when you go into the room, after a brief introduction each class, the professor is going to turn off the lights, turn on the slide projector and show you pretty pictures. And you'll enjoy the pretty pictures or you'll fall asleep. And if you fall asleep, that's good. You catch up on your sleep. Every college student needs to catch up on their sleep. And it's an easy class. You'll pass it without a problem. So so that sounds pretty good. After the second class, I was hooked. I was absolutely fascinated with art history. And so fascinated that I took another couple of classes while I was an, un an undergraduate. And today have taken a couple of online classes on art history. I'm fascinated by it. What fascinated me about art history was the ability of the professor or the presenter of the lectures to talk about the symbolism, to make the painting come alive, to talk about, the, as I say, the symbolism, the composition, the historical context, the social uh, movements that were taking place at the time and how they're all reflected in the painting and the analysis of the paintings just really thrilled me. So a couple of weeks ago, I was watching one, listening to one of the lectures online and the professor was talking about the symbolism of the particular painting. And then he switched to another painting and he showed it and I had never seen this work of art before. And I immediately just thought it was wonderful. And I looked at the painting and I looked at it and I, I, I looked at it carefully and I just, I just enjoyed it. And I realized after about a minute and a half or two minutes, I wasn't paying attention to the professor talking about the symbolism and the composition and the social movements behind it. I was just looking at the painting and I was letting it come to me and just, just enjoy it for what it was and be moved by it for what I saw, not for the analysis behind it. I think that we have to do that every once in a while with a work of art, with a text that we might love, with a piece of music, 
Sometimes we analyze them, and sometimes we just find that they move us. Let's talk about the blowing of the shofar. Our tradition does not give a reason for the blowing of the shofar. The tradition has its source in the Torah, that the first day of the seventh month, which in our case is the month of Tishrei, was called Yom Teruah, a day of blowing of the horn. It wasn't clear what the horn was all about, but later it was connected to Yom Kippur in what became known as Rosh Hashanah, and now we know of as the High Holidays. But no explanation was given for the blowing of the shofar. But throughout the centuries, rabbis and thinkers and philosophers and teachers have come up with all kinds of beautiful reasons that we blow the shofar. In fact, this past week, there was a lovely article on the front page of our local Jewish newspaper, the Washington Jewish News, showing many, many of the reasons that have been given for the blowing of the shofar, <clears throat> traditional and contemporary. It was a beautiful piece, and you can find similar pieces online, lists of reasons why we blow the shofar. Let me share with you a few of them. Some say we blow the shofar, Maimonides said, that it is as if it were an alarm clock, to use modern technology, a wake-up call. Awake, O oh, you slumberers, those of you who are sleeping, and realize your responsibilities, both to the covenant and to being, uh, to being a mensch, to, 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 to being an ethical human being. It's a wake-up call to remind us that our time, the time is now to make the changes we want to make in our lives. Other people say the shofar is meant to remind us of Mount Sinai because the Torah was given with the sound of shofar, with the sound of the ram's horn. Some say the shofar is to remind us of Akedat Yitzchak, the binding of Isaac, which a story that we read on the second day of Rosh Hashanah from the Torah. And an interesting part of that story was that after God tells Abraham not to sacrifice Isaac, God says, in place of Isaac, sacrifice the ram that you see caught in the bushes. And Abraham looks and sees a ram caught in the bushes by its horn and sacrifices it instead of Isaac. But there's a beautiful legend that Abraham said to God, I want you always to remember that I was willing to sacrifice my son, that I listened to you, that this was an ultimate act of faith I would have been willing to perform. And on the basis of my willingness, I want you to forgive my descendants when they sin. And God says, all they will have to do is blow the horn of this ram, blow the shofar, and I will remember this event, and I will forgive them. So the shofar in that tradition becomes a wake-up call to God, as it were, to forgive us. There are others who say that the shofar sounds help carry our prayers up to the highest heavens, similar to the way that the smoke and the aroma from the sacrifices during temple times our ancestors believed would carry their pleas up to God, their calls for forgiveness, their praise of God, their thanks and gratitude, that somehow the shofar sound carries our prayers with it. And for all of those explanations I've given, there are probably dozens others, dozens of others, and, and you can read so many 
out of our tradition. So clearly, when the shofar is blown, you can keep in mind one of those traditions, and it adds to the kavanah. It adds to the meaning of the moment. But I want to go back to my art analogy for a moment and propose an idea that analysis and understanding is, is, is beautiful, is wonderful. But often there's a level to our rituals which rise above understanding or analysis. There's a beautiful line that we say following the blowing of the shofar for the first time on Rosh Hashanah. It's a line from the Psalms. Ashrei ha'am Happy is the people, joyous is the people who know the sound of the shofar. One way we know things is by understanding them, by giving a reason for them, by having knowledge about them. And that we can do when we learn the different ways our ancestors have thought us have, have taught us to look at the to, to to comprehend the meaning of the sound of the shofar. But the word to know in the Bible doesn't necessarily mean knowledge of the way we think of it. The word to know meant having an intimate relationship, having something that may rise above words and above explanations the way our deepest relationships do. So thinking back to my analogy of art, there is certainly a time for analysis, and it's fascinating, and I love it. But there's also a time to just look at a painting and rejoice in it and just say it touches me and I'm not sure why. It goes beyond any words or any reasons. What I'm going to propose to you is that you think about all of those reasons or pick the one that you like the most for the to make the shofar mean something to you. But to leave room at some point over Rosh Hashanah for trying to turn that part of your brain off for one moment and just listen to the sound of the shofar. Just let it touch you in whatever way it does. Let it, it penetrate into your mind, into your heart, into your soul, and just let it be whatever it is at that moment. And to have that kind of, if I can use this word, that intimate relationship with the sound of the shofar, which goes beyond words, which just talks about something which is moving, pleasing, inspiring, exciting, whatever that word might be for you at that moment. You know how much, if you've been listening to this podcast or you've heard me speak or teach, you know how much I love to analyze texts. Sometimes texts are just beautiful because they're beautiful and the analysis gets in the way. It's the same with a beautiful piece of art and sometimes it's the same with a ritual as well. So this year on Rosh Hashanah, as you hear the sound of the shofar, think about all the reasons that our tradition is taught, learn about them, come prepared to understand them as you hear the sound of the shofar, but sometimes, and there's a hundred blasts of the shofar each day of Rosh Hashanah in a traditional service, sometime in that service, try to stop the analysis, stop the historical consideration, stop the philosophical thinking, just take a deep breath and listen to the sound of the shofar and let it move you as it chooses to do. Until next time.
Shana Tova Mituka wishes for a good, sweet, healthy year for everyone. Thank you.